The Michael Sussman trial is right around the corner, and we are still fighting over what evidence is going to be admitted and what is going to be precluded. We've been talking a lot about emails between Michael Sussman and other people very relevant to this case. We see an order came out May 12th, 11 pages. We're going to go through it, but it's about those 38 emails that we talked a lot about. John Durham, the prosecutor, special counsel, said, you know, I kind of want to get my hand on those emails. And Judge, would you mind taking a look at them? Would you mind doing an in-camera review? We spent a lot of time dissecting that. Well, today is the opinion in order. The judge said, all right, I've had a lot of time to think about these emails. Between Sussman, Perkins, Coy, the law firm, between Sussman, Rodney Jaffe, Tech Executive One, maybe even some people from Hillary for America. We definitely know Mark Elias was also working at Perkins, Coy. And so you can see why. John Durham and the special counsel's office want those emails. And we're going to see whether the judge gives it to him. And there's a lot to unpack. And we'll do that. We know trial starts Monday, May 16th. We're going to be covering it in depth. I have got my final submission ready to go to get the transcripts in real time. I think we may even get morning and afternoon transcripts. And so we're going to be doing a lot of live streaming next week when all this gets underway. But we need to get our bearings straight. We need to know what the trial looks like. Judge, fortunately, gave us an order. We'll fly through this one pretty quickly. It's three pages, and this is how the judge is saying the trial is going to be conducted. Judge Cooper, of course, there out of the D.C. Circuit Court, said here, trial going to begin promptly, 9 a.m., courtroom 27. Now, of course, we're not going to be there. We're all the way on the other side of the country. But number two, I was hopeful that there may have been a telephone line or something that we could call in and listen into but no, not even going to be the case. You see under footnote number two, sub item says there will not be a public telephone line for listening to the proceedings. Oh man, I hate that. And it's not because I can't listen in. We're going to be getting the transcripts and going through it. But it also means that a lot of the other reporters and journalists and other people who might be tweeting about this or writing articles about this who may be missing things that we're missing here are just going to be a little bit more unplugged, probably listening to some other trials going on. And it's a bummer because this is a very important case. And I think that's something that should have a lot more attention on it. But as we see, as normal in federal courts, they will often, almost always, not provide call-in lines and not provide any media access. But they'll still give us some other opportunities for people to physically go there. Let's see what the judge says. Number three, of course, masks are still in effect. You've got to wear those all over the place. He says, number four, consistent with the media policy for district courts, no photographs or live audio or video streaming allowed. All prohibited at all times. Courtroom 27 seating, you know where to go if you're going to be there. Come in, sit there. Once again, photographing video not allowed, strictly prohibited. No conversations or gestures to the extent available. There will be an overflow courtroom for video and audio transmission of the proceedings. And if you were here during the Galen Maxwell trial, a lot of what we were talking about was from people reporting, people like Joe Neerman, Good Logic, who's our neighbor on YouTube, what were there, right? Sitting there and sort of taking notes and then coming out of the courtrooms and dissecting it and providing us all very valuable details about what was going on. But it's going to have to be kind of the same thing. We're not going to be able to peer in until we get those transcripts. Same rules apply for media. First court floor is and so on. And we're going to skip all over that. 
media of the public or press who wish to view the proceedings from courtroom 27A, the courtroom that is for overflow or the media room must comply with all requests of all the law enforcement officials. Original exhibits admitted into evidence and published to the jury will not be available to the public for copying or inspection during trial. Over two. Man, we're not even going to get to see those exhibits. The original exhibits, the admitting party shall make available to the media at the end of the day trial a copy of any admitted exhibit that has been published to the jury and not restricted by the court. The government may make exhibits available using the Dropbox technical solution described in standing order and access to video exhibits. So they may put them in a Dropbox file for us. We'll see how this all unfolds. And we recall... We had to play the same game with Galen Maxwell. Some people would get access to the exhibits before others. We're all waiting for it to leak out. And it now is sort of a, a difficult thing where everybody's trying to find out where the court is dropping it all. And we're all waiting on pins and needles to say, is this uh, publicly available? Is this something that's going to be disclosed? Is the judge going to prevent the dissemination? Who knows? We'll figure it out. But it's all going to happen in real time. We'll cover it next week. Juror contact and security. Any attempt to contact or interact with jurors strictly prohibited. Same types of rules. In accordance with the rules, written communication with the jurors is also prohibited. This includes communication with prospective jurors before completion of void dear, selected jurors, during or even afterwards. After the court has discharged the jury, any juror can consent to speak to whomever they please. However, they're not obligated to do so. Interviews of trial participants and members and people of the trial may not be conducted inside the courthouse, go outside to do it. And any violation of this is going to result in contempt sanctions against the violator signed off on by Judge Christopher C. Cooper, R. Cooper, May 12, 2022. And so trial is about to get started. I hope you are joining us on that. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Now that we know how this is going to proceed, let's take a look at the actual opinion in order on this very important issue that we've spent some time talking about, saying the government is going to get some of the Fusion GPS emails. That's the takeaway, but let's go through this. Says the government has moved to review in camera. That means that the judge only looks at it. And remember, let's back up a little bit. John Durham said, judge, I think you should see these emails and decide whether we should see these emails. And the defense said, no, judge, we don't think you should even look at these emails at all. And it wasn't just the defense. It was all of these other people. Remember, Michael Sussman is the only person here who is being charged with a crime. He is the defendant here. And because he has been conversating with other people with whom there might be some problematic emails, other people are now moving to intervene. And that is Perkins Coy, Rodney Jaffe, Hillary and many others. They're the intervenors. And so they're saying, judge, we don't want you to see our emails. We hold privileges over those emails because we were working on legal matters. We were, were working on attorney work product, and therefore it's protected by the attorney client privilege doctrine. Here, the judge is saying, well, it's a pretty interesting argument. Let's dissect it. He says, okay, Durham, ask the judge, ask the court to take a look at these 38 emails that were originally withheld by Fusion GPS. That was the consultancy that was hired by Perkins Coy to go and investigate Trump. It was based saying on attorney-client privilege, which is why they couldn't turn it over, and the attorney work product doctrine. Fusion then withheld the emails and related attachments at the request of Hillary Clinton and the DNC and everybody who said, oh, we hold the privilege. Don't give them the emails. Perkins Coy partner, Mark Elias, seen here, talked a lot about him as well, led the representation on behalf of Perkins Coy and Hillary, while also serving as the campaign's general counsel, literally for Hillary. Perkins Coy later hired Fusion GPS to assist 
its work for the campaign. This is the judge writing. Specifically, Perkins, the law firm, their engagement letter with Fusion, the consultant, provided that Fusion's work would support the firm's provision of legal advice, right? Because if you're going to hire a consultant, they've got to be sort of related to the legal work that you're doing. If you're a law firm, you can't hire somebody to go start a car wash for you. Well, we're doing legal work there. And so we're going to be investing in this uh, newfound opportunity where we're analyzing the construction of car washes and we're going to be building cars. It's not related to the same thing. Here, it's more closely related because they're supposed to be doing analysis on defamation and libel claims, which sometimes might happen if you're talking about a campaign where you have to say a lot of things a lot of the time. But Hillary then has to keep that consultant and Perkins Coy, the law firm who she hired, has to keep that consultant doing actual legal work. If they venture outside of the scope of work, now they're off into car wash land and that's not relevant. And therefore it's not protected by the same attorney client work product doctrines that exist to protect candid conversations between attorneys and clients. So now the judge writes, meanwhile, in the summer of 2016, technology executive Rodney Jaffe down here on the left obtained certain data reflecting communications between internet servers maintained for the Trump organization and servers belonging to Russia's Alpha Bank. Believing the data could support the existence of a secret communications link, or in other words, trying to create one in my opinion, between Alpha and Trump and wishing to disseminate it to a wider audience, Mr. Jaffe shared the data with the defendant, Michael Sussman, then Perkins Coy partner who had represented Jaffe and his company previously. So you see there was a relationship between Rodney Jaffe, this guy, Michael Sussman, the ultimate defendant who worked at Perkins Coy, which is where Mark Elias was another partner who hired, who was working as the general campaign counsel for Hillary Clinton and Perkins Coy also hired Fusion GPS. So they're all entangled in this thing. Mr. Sussman, because he was alerted now by Rodney Jaffe, then turned around, alerted Mr. Elias about the data. Fusion employees then met with Sussman, Jaffe, and Elias in August 2016, drafted a, quote, white paper. Okay, <laughs> these three totally reliable, unbiased people drafted a white paper containing publicly sourced background information on Alpha Bank, including its connections to the Russian government, provided the white paper to members of the press, Fusion GPS, was sending all this stuff out to the media saying, drop the Hillary Clinton email story. That's ridiculous. You should only be talking about stuff that makes Trump look bad. Urging them to write stories on Trump's purported secret Russia communications channel. During the same time, Jaffe communicated by email with Fusion employee Laura Sego, who is on our mind map, copying Mr. Sussman. Ms. Sego is expected to come in and testify about at Sussman's upcoming trial scheduled to begin next week. We'll be covering it. The judge continues. He says, all right, now that we have some background, the 38 emails and the attachments that are the subject of Durham's motion, Durham saying, judge, look at these and let us know if we should have them, are among approximately, writes the judge, 1,500 documents that Fusion GPS withheld from its production. The judge notes that Fusion did produce other documents over, saying that those were non-privileged and actually did comply with those. But based on Fusion's privileged log entries, the government, Durham, suspects that the 38 documents that they're withholding relate to Fusion's effort to seed the stories in the press about the Trump Alpha alleged ties, saying... Well, obviously, they're not going to want to turn those emails over because if they do, it's going to show there was a massive conspiracy out there that we're right in the middle of. The government, Durham, argues that this type of opposition research 
and media relations activity is not covered by attorney work product doctrine or attorney client privilege, which are two sort of separate and distinct things. We just lump them all together here. And therefore the emails were erroneously withheld. Government thus moved the court to review the documents, say, judge, you look at these things in chambers and confirm our suspicions. We think that they're trying to hide something. Judge, can you please look at it and let us know? Fusion GPS, Hillary for America and the DNC and Jaffe, all four of them that we talked about on the prior slides, all four little circle images, they all intervened. They all got in their cars and they came crashing into the front of the restaurant saying, we're hungry to defend ourselves. Intervene to defend the privilege assertion saying, no, 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 we are protected by those doctrines. And so therefore don't look at our stuff. Sussman separately objected to the in-camera review and to any subsequent use of the emails at trial. Among his objections are that special counsel was informed of Fusion's privileges more than a year ago and waited too long. Now, the judge did go through some of that, but we're going to skip over that here, saying essentially that Durham's request to use this stuff was untimely, and the judge goes through some of that, but ultimately we're going to see how he rules. The court granted the motion for an in-camera review, said, yeah, we are going to look at this stuff, and obviously that was going to be the case. We talked about that prior you know, the defense, all of these interveners were trying to stop the judge from looking at it. And it's just kind of common sense. You know, the judge kind of wants to look at these things. If you say, judge, you can't look at this. He goes, well, I am a judge, you know. Have you seen this robe? I mean, look at this thing. Give me the documents. It's my turn. So they always want to look at it in my experience. Here, application of the asserted privileges is now where the judge gets into the analysis. He says, Let's go through this. We've got the two different types of privileges. We've got 38 emails. Let's run them through the privilege filter and see which ones Durham gets and which ones Durham does not get. The court finds that Fusion GPS had no valid basis to withhold 22 of the 38 emails. Uh-oh. So that means a almost two dozen emails going over to Durham. The judge looked at him and said, oh, maybe your suspicions are correct there, Johnny, and decided 22 were going over, but says that it has met its burden to establish privilege over the remaining 16. So some going, some staying. The court analyzes each separately. Let's go through this. Here we see the judge is first going to go through the non-privileged emails, says the emails that are not subject to anti any privilege mostly involve internal communications among Fusion GPS employees. It's sort of employees talking to each other. Let's see what he says. He writes, the court begins with the attorney worked product assertion. Hillary for America has submitted a sworn declaration from Mark. He says, consistent with Fusion, that Perkins Coy retained the firm. Why? Why was Fusion hired? To provide consulting services. All right. In support of the legal advice that Perkins Coy and their lawyers were providing to firm clients related to defamation, libel, and other similar laws where accuracy is an essential legal element. Well, that sounds like very lawyerly work that they're doing there. And if that's what they were actually doing, you'd say, yeah, everything that was under that umbrella is protected. It's like this force field that exists. As long as you're using your tools and your powers for good, you're protected by the force. Here, if you break outside of the actual legal work, that force field comes crumbling down. Now, their documents are all going to say, yeah, no, it's legal consulting, providing consulting services, defamation, libel, blah, blah, blah. But then if they say, well, you can go out there and just start acting as a public relations firm and just start emailing the Washington Post and the New York Times to drop stories and pick up your stories. Is that related to defamation, defamation, libel or other similar laws in which accurate? Not, not really. It's sort of outside the scope 
of that representation. So the judge writes, Mr. Elias, Mark, tests a test that he generally provided direction for Fusion's work, saying that he was guiding what they were doing. And there are sort of rules that attorneys have to engage in in order to consult appropriately with expert witnesses. You can't just say, uh, here's the case. Can you just figure out how to solve this? Do whatever you need to do. I don't care. Because then an attorney is not really directing that. And attorneys have licenses and we have ethical duties and we take oaths and swear things. And we got to make sure that the people that are we're working with are abiding by those standards. Here, Mr. Elias said that. Yeah, he said on some occasions, Fusion's work was distilled and incorporated into his judgments about legal issues, while in other instances, he shared the results of Fusion's work with his clients, including Clinton and the DNC. So in fact, they were helping him perform his legal tasks. As further background, writes the judge, Mr. Elias explains that representing political campaigns has often required him to provide advice, oh, legal advice, on risks of defamation and other claims by opposing candidates and so on and so forth. All sounds like it might be within the scope of legal work. He says, and especially in this campaign, 2016, these risks were especially acute because Donald Trump has a you know, well-documented history of litigiousness. He's always out there suing everybody, which is true. Counsel for Fusion GPS, Joshua Levy, has also submitted a declaration which echoes Mr. Elias's attestation that Fusion's work was related to Hillary and Perkins Coy representation of legal matters. They say, with respect to the analysis of the Alpha Bank data, Levy says, which is Fusion's lawyer, says, and he's there, they're saying, listen, I'm their lawyer. I know a little bit about this agreement that they entered into. They're a consultant. Perkins Coy's a law firm. I'm helping this relationship interface with itself. I know what they were doing for the law firm. I helped orchestrate the deal. So he writes, Fusion conducted that analysis on Hillary for the purpose and in furtherance of Perkins' provision of legal advice, of course, to the clients, among other things. It was on the basis that Hillary for America directed Fusion to assert work product privilege over the withheld email. So everybody's got their story straight. In other words, the judge is going through and says, look, Perkins Coy, Mark Elias, Michael Sussman, they all say that we obviously hired Perk, we obviously hired Fusion GPS in order to do legal consultancy for us. Fusion, by the same token, is saying the exact same thing. Oh, of course, that's only that's the only thing we got hired for. It's just perfect, legitimate legal services. And so everybody is keeping their story straight, just like my brothers and I did when we got in trouble with mom. But they continue, they write, the court has no reason to question Mr. Elias's declaration. We'll take his word for it that Perkins Coy did in fact retain Fusion to assist with legal advice or that one aspect of the advice was to assess potential defamation claims. All sounds reasonable. He says, and that risk was far from academic giving Trump's record of lawsuits. To the extent that Fusion conducted research or other services that informed his advice, its work product would therefore be protected. The judge is starting saying, benefit of the doubt towards this relationship says that is so even if the work product closely resembles opposition research and cites a case for that saying that this upholds the work product protection over work provided by a public relations firm. So that case might lead you to believe that this all may actually be protected. But the judge goes on. He says, but the record before the court establishes that fusion did more in connection with the alpha bank allegations than simply provide information and analysis to Mark so that he could better advise the campaign on defamation. And the judge is making this conclusion after looking at these emails. He's saying, look, uh, yeah, 
I looked at those emails and you know, it's a little bit more than some of that attorney client work business it says based on non-privileged emails that Fusion did produce to the grand jury and on the withheld emails that the court has reviewed in chambers, it is clear that Fusion employees also interacted with the press as part of an affirmative media relations effort by the Clinton campaign. Yeah, so see, Fusion down here was out there not acting as a sort of legal research consultant trying to go out there and do investigation about anything that might be related to what Mark Elias wanted to communicate to the campaign. No, no, no. They were sending emails out saying, push this story, drop that story. That's not protected. That effort included pitching certain stories, providing information on background, and even answering reporters' questions. Oh, some of the emails at issue that the judge read, including internal Fusion GPS discussions about the underlying data and emails circulating draft versions of one of the background white papers that was ultimately provided to the press and the FBI, relate directly to that undertaking. And because these emails appear not to have been written in anticipation of litigation, but rather as part of an ordinary media relations work, oh, they're not entitled to any protection. Of course, that should be the case because they're out there trying to win a campaign, not trying to win any litigation or even prepare for any litigation. In fact, they're the ones making libelous and defamatory claims in the first place. So they're out there still trying to fit their defense, saying we should maintain our, our force field just by nature of the fact that we were working with a law firm. Hey, uh, Perkins Coy is a law firm. They hired us. We're not protected. Well, no, you don't, you don't get to just go hire a law firm or be hired as a consultant of a law firm and then go do whatever the heck you want. It's got to be closely related to the actual litigation. Here, judge says, nor does the attorney-client privilege apply to these 22 emails. So uh, the other privilege is also not relevant. Says that this protects a confidential communication between attorney and client. But here, Fusion argues, as it did in the work product context, that its communications are covered. Again, the court does not doubt that some of its investigative work supported and did inform Mark's legal advice to the Clinton campaign. But, Judge says, some of their communications appear to relate solely to disseminating information that they had gathered. They're not doing analysis and pushing it up the chain to the law firm. They're proffering it forward, disseminating the information that they gathered. It's not analytical, it's dissemination. Here, furthermore, none of these withheld emails involved communications between Fusion, Elias, or Hillary for America. Therefore, the same reason that the work product privilege does not apply, attorney-client privilege also does not apply to 22 emails and their attachments. So he says, consistent with this ruling, Fusion is directed to provide special counsel the documents number 2 through 11 15, 16, 19 through 21, 24 through 30 in the privilege log, according to the government's motion, no later than Monday, May 16th, which of course is the day the jury selection starts. And in the final page of the order, he says, once again, ordered that the relevant privilege holder, anybody who's got those emails, produce the documents. So any one of those interveners who is related to any one of these documents. So for example, if number three belonged to Hillary for America, if number 16 belonged to Fusion GPS, if number 19 belonged to the DNC, well, they've got to go give those up because the judge ordered it in the Michael Sussman trial. And we know trial starts with jury selection on Monday, May 16th. This is the joint proposed verdict form, which is out. We're going to be following this trial closely to decide and see whether the jurors find Mr. Sussman not guilty or guilty. And I hope you join us on that. I would love it if you subscribed before you got out of here. We are going to be going 
pretty heavy on this one all next week. I'm going to be doing my very best to get the transcripts as quickly as humanly possible. We'll go live and cover it in about as near real time as we can get on a federal case. And so if you want to join in on that, definitely be sure to subscribe. If you think anybody else might be interested in following along, I'd love it if you invited them as well. I look forward to seeing you on the next one.